ended in a time limit draw during our top 10 greatest regional heels and now this week for the exciting conclusion i am your host jeremy vilmer and the star of the show bobby blaze what's happening bobby hey jeremy it's great to be back man what a great great top 10 for all-time regional heels and man this is going to be another great episode that we can come to the conclusion uh to these top 10 heels so we're, we hope you enjoyed part one this is uh, episode 16 greatest of all time regional heels we're from uh, coming from the Kobo uh, Hall in Detroit Michigan the legendary arena there for all the pro wrestling back in the day of big time wrestling all the way through all the other uh, wrestling came through there and I think we're going to go through what the uh, second is part two so this is part uh, number five through one if I'm not mistaken yes, sir. we're going we're okay. to do five through one yeah last week we um we must have hit a good spot because we neither one of us could shut the fuck up <laughs> uh, and then I think I don't know who they're referring to, but I think they're referring to both of us. I guess there's about 15 or 20 minute epic rant there at the end yeah. where we just put over professional wrestling. We don't really try to uh, bury any major companies or anything like that. We, we speak about a couple of things. We don't shield anyone as part of our policy, but we do let our voice be known that if you want to uh, get some sports entertainment, there's other uh podcast and other venues and other places you can go to at but if you want professional or pro wrestling the uh, bell to bell with bobby blaze the podcast be listening to and i think that came through loud and clear apparently through the last 15 or 20 minutes of uh, either your rant my rant or let's just say this our rant and our truth about pro wrestling that's so, right well, yeah so dig that man if you haven't even listened to uh, any of it, go back, of course, listen to part one, but definitely listen to the very last 15, 20 minutes of it. Uh, hopefully, though, you'll, uh, if you're just now tuning in, you'll go back and listen to the first part of uh, episode 15 and finish that out and then start with uh, the top regional heels with this, with this episode 16. So Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think we kind of hit a theme. So Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze is where we talk pro wrestling, and sports yeah. entertainment is a dirty word. <laughs> yeah, I think we made that clear. Yeah. yeah. So um, when we recorded that one, we were just we were trying to shoot for an hour long episode. And we ended up with before I edited it, we ended up with three hours and twenty minutes, and I cut down to a little over two. Yeah. Uh, but the decision was made to cut them in half and release them that way. So we're recording a new intro to head part two or number sixteen of our show. Right. Um, but I do want to say that since that was released. The next day after we released part one, all in happened. And I kind of want to spend a few minutes. I don't need to dig into it too deep, but I kind of want to spend a few minutes talking about a few things. To start with, I just want to say that Cody Rhodes is the NWA world champion, and I got 50 Okada bucks burning a hole in my pocket, so I'm ready to <laughs> fucking go. Well, congratulations to Cody. Congratulations to uh, Nick. Congratulations to the Young Bucks. Congratulations to all in. Uh, congratulations on have, having 50 uh, Okada bucks in your pocket burning a hole through you. But, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to kind of shut up about it because uh, I want to hear your take on the All In, and I'm glad that you got to uh, watch it. But, again, big shout-out to All In and, and a big special congratulations to uh, Cody Rhodes. So tell me a little bit about it, Jeremy. Well, so what I'll tell you first is I haven't I haven't bought a wrestling pay-per-view 
since 99 to maybe 2001, right in that range. So we're talking legitimately a 17 to 19 year span where I haven't even wanted to buy one. Um, Saturday, I was sitting working on an interview that I had just done with the guys who made uh, a movie called I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker, an awesome horror comedy that you can find on Amazon for free. Um, but I'm sitting in here getting ready for that. And all of a sudden on my Twitter feed, it pops up. It's the NWA's, uh, account it pops up. Cody Rhodes, new NWA champion defeats Nick Aldis. Mm. And so later that night I'm out in the living room, me and my wife are talking and I'm like, I, I, it was like 10 o'clock. I go, I'm buying that pay-per-view. <laughs> and so I, I get it on the fight app and then. You know, it was one of those things like we started and stopped, and then my son came home at about midnight, so we restarted it. So not only was it the first wrestling pay-per-view I've bought in roughly 20 years, I stayed up till 3 in the morning to finish it, and I couldn't get through it. There was so much content that finally at 3 in the morning, I just looked at Mike and said, I got to go to bed. He goes, can I watch the rest of it? I'm like, you just you do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want. I'm, I'm going to bed. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to say that there was some great stuff in this. The Cody Rhodes match, he kind of hit some of his dad's greatest hits. He oh, did, nice. He did the Crimson Mask. We got the figure four. Um, there was a lot of Dusty Rhodes themes through the night, like in the Battle Royal on the free show from WGN earlier in the night. Tommy Dreamer was wearing a black shirt, black pants with yellow polka dots. <laughs> and he, right, and he used the bionic elbow on somebody. And I mean like the big production arm swinging bionic elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cody in his wrestling gear, Cody had a lifting belt on his back and it, the, it said do the work, but yeah. do was black with yellow polka dots. The was yeah. gold for his, uh, half brother, uh, uh, Dustin. And then work was the American flag. Wow. And it was right just, on, it was cool. And, um, what was awesome was he did a, Oh, I can't remember the kind of pin. It's, <sighs> He got Nick Aldis. Like, Nick Aldis went for a sunset flip, and Cody dropped down and grabbed his legs for the pin. And I can't remember. That's not the school, but I can't remember what it's called. But he gets the pin that way, where he's got him. You know, legs are kind of chicken winged from behind him. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's kneeling down over his over his shoulders. Yeah, basically, he blocked, what would you call I guess he blocked the... Um, the sunset the, the flip. The sunset flip. Okay, yeah, yeah gotcha. And, okay. Um, and so what was funny is he gets the pin, and my son looks at me and goes... He goes, I would have liked to have been to that production meeting. I go, why is that? They go, well, Cody, how do you want to win the title? Like every world champion, I want my balls on his face. <laughs> and I was like, Buck, you got 10 points right there on that one at least. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of great shit that night. There were a lot of surprises. Lanny Poffo came to the ring with Jay Lethal for his ROH uh, title defense. Oh, cool. Okay. And, and Jay Lethal was in full black machismo mode. He, okay, he cool. Was wearing, See, I'll mark it out because I haven't seen any of it. Yeah. And just by reading and, and talking to a few people, yourself included. So I'm just, uh, uh, I'm marking as you're telling me this. Cause I, I, See, that's the thing. I just, then I just listened to Joe Rogan's uh, DDP was putting it over to all in. But the thing is, 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 as we've talked about in pro wrestling, that's one of the things. See, I don't like knowing the finishes and what's going on. And I, and here I am. You're just describing it to me, a play-by-play of what took place. And I'm sitting here popping and enjoying the hell out of it. So please continue oh, on. Oh, yeah. So Jay Lethal, is, he's getting ready to come to the ring. He's in wrestling, regular gear carrying his ROH title, right? And a hand comes into camera and hands him Macho Man's glasses. 
And he looks at him kind of like suspect, and he's like, oh, no. And then the, the hand slaps him on the shoulder, and he immediately goes into the Macho Man character. Okay. So when he comes to the ring, he's wearing Macho Man's gear from Macho Man's first night on WCW Nitro. Oh, man. And uh, at one point, I don't want to get too into it, but um, uh, uh, Cody's wife, Brandy, was out there with Flip Gordon, who was wrestling uh, uh, Jay Lethal. Uh-huh. And he starts treating Brandy like she's Liz, like dragging her back to the corner. He's uh, redoing okay. he's redoing the Macho Man Hogan match. And at one point she slaps him and all of a sudden he like looks startled and he looks down at himself like, What the fuck am I wearing? So <laughs> it was it was goofy, but it was fun. I mean some of that shit I don't like. This time I enjoyed it just because they, they did it in a good natured way that I liked, you know. Right, right on. Yeah. Right on. Now the one and I I am sure Jim Cornette has already complained about this, is Joey Ryan was there. <laughs> now, what I didn't know about Joey Ryan, because I only know him by reputation more than anything else. I've seen him a few times on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. That's really been the limit of my exposure to him. Well, I didn't know that they had run a story where another wrestler went crazy and murdered him. And his cowboy boots told him to murder him, so he got rid of the cowboy boots. So in this street fight match, uh, they get a bag out from under the ring. The cowboy boots are in there. The guy goes nuts. He wins the match. But then funeral procession music starts. Like, remember all the times they brought the Undertaker back from the dead? Right, right. Well, yeah. then about ten guys dressed dressed in blow up cock and ball costumes come out. Oh god! <laughs> and then Joey Ryan comes out, and uh, he oils himself up, uh, sticks a lollipop in the guy's mouth, and super kicks, and then folds him out to the dicks, and they walk away with him. Yeah. As a meta commentary on how goofy death storylines are, I thought it was funny. Uh, the dick shit still, I just find too supercilious. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, I saw Joey Ryan a couple of weeks ago live with a um, uh, local guy here, uh, Casey. That you know, he listens to the oh, show. Yeah, and, yeah. And they, they actually had a uh, with they had a really good, entertaining match. It was uh, and also Jesse Jane the. Uh, the porn actress was there. I saw, I posted one of the pictures of that. Mm-hmm. She kind of does some stuff with Joey. And, um, you know, I was just there more or less. I was bell ringer, a spectator, but, um, they did like a little 10 minute. And for what it was worth, it was actually an entertaining little match. Um, it, it, it got over. It was, uh, at a bike rally type. Uh, oh, yeah, deal. Yeah. And, and so, um, I, I'm not a fan of the dick spots. I, I, more into the, you know, but they actually, you know, they did the lollipop deal and, um, uh, with the, uh, porn actress involved sliding in and distracting and making Casey, you know, look the other way and, and, and the dick spot, it actually really worked well. And so, uh, I, I'm not going to shit on it because, uh, I, the guys with myself, we sit there, we really enjoyed it. Of course, I was, had been sitting by Jesse the whole evening and, um, she enjoyed her spot and, and, uh, Casey, we, we, we talked to him after the show and he, it, it, it was very professionally done yeah. and it was very entertaining. So, um, it was an old school style match other than, you know, he had his head turned away and, and got his hand stuck somewhere and, mm-hmm. you know, he did the spot. So, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So, so I'm sure people can, um, take it for what it's worth. Now those funeral spots though, when they come back to life and all that, I don't know how you do it without the TV production. I don't know. So yeah, so he well, did that with them guys carried him out. Yeah. Or, they carried him out crucifix pattern above okay. them. And yeah, um, yeah. So you know what? It was a good show overall. Okada yeah. had a great match. There was a big surprise yeah. at the end of the uh, Kenny Omega match. 
Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to spoil it because it was. Please do, because I've already heard it spoiled on uh, Joe Rogan earlier. Okay, yeah. So the lights go out, and uh, Pentazero comes back, you know, for, after being beat and starts whipping the shit out of Kenny Omega, but it's Chris Jericho. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that blew the fucking roof off the joint. Um, that was amazing. Um, there was, there were a number of really good matches. I enjoyed the yeah. shit out of it. They. That's cool. These younger guys, yeah, they're a little bit smaller than what we used to watch, but the shit they do in the ring, you know, and I understand people get upset at comparing, you know, the flippy shit they do now to yeah. whatever. Look, this is what they've had to do to get, to not be compared to MMA. They had to make it look different. That's, I mean, yeah. that's what, that's what there is to it. Um, but I will tell you that, and you and I have talked about this, you can definitely see that all the professionals work for the WWE. Because their sound mixes were garbage. They're, they're, um, when they did interviews in the hallway, it sounded like you're standing in your bathroom with your phone. Mm. Um, it, there was, there was, I mean, now I give them time to give them time to grow. Let's keep in mind, this was Cody and the young bucks. This was an ROH or somebody else. Right. Right. You know, there was talent from, you know, all these other smaller companies, but this was three guys who did this whole show. Right. And that is fucking amazing. And in time, I think it's going to grow. Uh, the thing I want to end on is I want to talk about the NWA title for a second. Yes. Because on our joint account, I did put out a thing that where I said, like, you know, that NWA title shines a little brighter now, doesn't it? And some people wrote back, and I got comments like, well, you know, when Cody drops it, it's not going to be worth as much and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I'm wondering if we're going to see a time here where guys in – Guys with the NWA title, even if they're in, say, ROH, might travel to other promotions with that title, and we might start seeing double champions where the ROH guy is also the NWA champion, so they get double billed as world champion. Um, I think we are going to see a traveling world title come out of this. Well, I hope so. I saw some of the comments as well, and and a couple of things I saw that I liked. One is, I hope right now is... Of course, that NWA title, like you said, maybe having a traveling uh, a champion. I do think it's. I, I think they really him and Nick have started something good mm-hmm. uh, because they've kind of you know it's a program and hopefully they can work it out to, to where they keep working this and they can take it to you know there's Mexico and Japan and, and Australia and and of course you're talking about Ring of Honor and some other you know companies. The other thing is is and so it does mean something. I don't know. And I hope he doesn't drop it soon. I hope he, you know, gets a good run with it. And of course, they have a business plan, so I'm sure they'll follow that model. But the thing is, is um, I, I think it will have some shine on it. I hope they keep the shine on it, no matter who has that belt. The other thing I saw was I was trying to get to also is I hope they kind of keep the the they even though they may introduce some new titles soon for the NWA. I hope mm-hmm. right now they really keep this NWA heavyweight title strong. That's the main thing. Even if they do introduce some more, whether it be the U.S. or tags or girls or, or female, et cetera. But, yeah. but right now, I'd like to see, uh, just from reading from the joint account, the, the, the couple of things I'd like to see is, is what you said is, is no matter who has a title, they do keep the shine on the title. And as they do introduce, which they eventually will, um, some different titles, that each title does mean something. But this, the NWA, you know, 10 pounds of gold, this is the title. And they take pride in that and keep the shine on it. That that is the, 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 
the main thing that everyone is seeking and wanting to be is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. You know, so uh, that's just my take on it from well, the joint account. Yeah, and there's no reason. Okay, so Nick Aldis and Tim Storm, when they were NWA champion, uh, both in the last two years, they defended on CZW, they defended on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, they defended on a number of other shows. Uh, ROH, I think, had them once or twice, I can't remember who. But they actually went to, like, the NWA doesn't have a promotion. They have these titles and they have their champions and they go to other shows to promote them. And... I guess the next title, if what I heard is true, and let's take this with a grain of salt, I guess the next title they're talking about introducing is the North American Heavyweight Championship. That's what I gathered from. And when I say, let me say it real quickly. Uh, on Twitter, at bell to bell blaze that's the account. That's where I've seen so many things, and that's, that's where I... That's the title I thought they would introduce next, also, according to our joint account. Yeah. You can find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast on Twitter. You can find me at Bobby Blaze 744 on Twitter. But that Bell to Bell uh, with Bobby, uh, Bell to Bell Blaze podcast is uh, where I read also where you're putting some information out there. That North American Heavyweight title, I thought that's what they're going to go with next as well. Just, just from the feedback from yourself and the fans and, our, and the followers that we have. So uh, th thanks for updating me on that. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I'm going to talk about real quick before we wrap up and get back yep. to our top five is I did see an email today where somebody was complaining about dick matches and this, that, and the other. I want to remind everybody, not far from you right now is an independent show of some, uh, a wrestling show of some kind for you to check out. Get the fight app on Roku there is other stuff to go watch, and there is some amazing shit going on right now. This is probably the most prolific time in pro wrestling since the mid eighties. Yeah, you know, I, I went to two shows on one Saturday. Yeah, um, I went to a outdoor show. Uh, I was under a big tent, like I said, for a rally. I had uh, you know several uh, names involved in it. Then I went to a smaller show. They run every third uh, Saturday of the month up in West Virginia. One was in Ohio, and, and 45 minutes later, I was in West Virginia. Um, there's just a lot of stuff out there, man. Um, and if you, if, if, there's a lot of professional wrestling out there. There's, there's some goofy promotions out yep. there. I'm going to a big show October 13th up in West Virginia. Um, I have some more details on that as, as time gets closer. But uh, I, I know there's a big show coming this area. I got several people that's already contacted me saying, hey, you want to ride up? Well, you know, we'll pick you up, have a little situation with my night driving, yeah. as you and I just discussed. But I'm um, already have it taken care of, and um, so yeah, there's there's other wrestling events. Uh, there's alternative to to whatever you like. I guarantee you can go out there and find it. You, you, there's something out there for you that you will like. And, and kind of what we was at the end of our rant last week, one thing about it is don't be the guy that sits at home that watches a certain product just to shit on it. Be the guy that enjoys other people's success and be the person that uh, you know enjoys seeing you know professional wrestling and, and, and whatever else you enjoy about the wrestling programming and enjoy the good stuff of it, man. I always put that. I sent out a book the other day, and I put it, I signed it. You know, I said, always remember the good times and the good memories, and I used the hashtag pro wrestling brought to you in your life, you know. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things. Pro wrestling, professional wrestling is just, it's brought a lot of people together and, uh, there's a lot of good times. I always just try to remember the good times, man, because it's, it's out there. It's out there if you want to find it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, like you were saying, there's everything from goofy, cartoony shit to realistic, almost Southern-style 
There's super athletic stuff. I mean, it's, you know, and there's still fucking barbed wire chain death matches too. I mean, it's all out there. Yeah. You just, you just may need to stretch a little bit, but don't, if you have made it this long in a world where there has only really been the WWE for almost 20 years, don't give up now is what I'm saying. That's right. Don't give up now. Yeah. The because, silver lining is around the cloud, brother. Yeah. And like I, <laughs> yeah, like I said. You turn me on to that uh, California the, uh, championship wrestling, wrestling from Hollywood. From Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's out there, man. Sorry, I had to uh, adjust my seat there. Yeah, no but, problem. Uh, so, if you heard some noise, that was just my uh, seat there. But anyway, yeah, it's there's a lot of good stuff out there, man. Just try to hang strong, and, and, and it's... Uh, Wrestling always works in cycles, is what yep. I've always heard, and, and we're in a good cycle right now. There's just a lot of good stuff uh, out there to watch on the independent scene, and uh, you know now you know they're going to have some more competition that's available through uh, Fight TV, and of course you got your MMA for for UFC, and and uh, it's just a good time to be a, a, a part of or a fan of professional wrestling. Yeah, so. this I, I'm that's that's really where I was headed with that, you know. Uh, that championship wrestling from Hollywood, they're working on a thing called the United Wrestling Network, which basically, if you have a wrestling uh, uh, promotion with a TV deal, they'll let you in, and they'll let their champions come work your shows. Cool. And so it's it's kind of like the NWA in that way, that they, right now they have a tag team and a TV title that they will send around to other shows. Right. Um, they also run a program where if you win... If you win one of their tournaments, whoever wins it gets to pick a title from any other member show to go after. So, like, a guy can win their their Battle Royal, and he can go after the CZW world title. Okay, cool. Yeah, so there's, guys, there is stuff coming. There, There are so many indie wrestlers out there that are worth watching right now, and now there are so many venues. What I'm All I'm trying to say is don't give up, because right now, if you just up your periscope just another foot or two, there's <laughs> there's some cool shit on the horizon. And I don't mean I don't mean like years out. I mean the shit is there. We just got to find it now. Yeah, and it's going to find its way to the mainstream. There's too yeah. many fans out there with with all the social medias available. It, 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 like Jeremy said, he's not talking a couple years out. He's talking it's right there on horizon. Yeah. So, so stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, there's big stuff coming. All right, Bobby, with that said, I, I don't want to yeah. dick around any longer. What do you say we uh, cut back to last week's uh, finish and we see who came in in spots five through one? That sounds good. Yep, here's our top five. Spots five through one, episode 16, top ten, part two, greatest uh fucking heels of all time in the regional territories. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> regional all right. Regional territory from Detroit at Cobo Hall. You might have to edit that. Anyways, the top <laughs> 10 through 6 was last week. This is the top 5 through 1. Man, the Greyhounds are excited too, apparently. All yeah. right, guys. Well, I'm going to hit play. Uh, everybody, you know, you'll hear the original ending when we get there where I do our sign-off, so I'm not going to bother signing off. Okay, anyone out there in podcast land, just so you know, we did take a brief, brief time out. I had to stretch my legs out, see a man about a horse, mm-hmm. and then um, refill my beer. So that one's for the working man, because one time I was doing this interview with a gentleman by the name of Jeremy, 
mm-hmm. on the Geekish Cast. And if you look up at the Geekish Cast on Twitter, I became friends with this person, and I opened a beer during about halfway through it. And he said, "One for the working man," and I totally respected that. Then he had me back on his podcast uh, once as a professional wrestler to promote my book and once just about how to promote books, etc. And now we're doing a podcast together. So with that said, we're coming back to you. We know we got another five to go. We know that someone out there wanted 90 minutes, and it looks like it's going to be another <laughs> few minutes be... to finish 90 minutes. It's going to be a um, close one. It's going to be a close one. But, folks, it's going to be worth it, and we hope you enjoyed it, and we love having you as our fans. So forget your 45 minutes. You're getting double your money back. And if you don't like it, guess what, Jeremy? Let's give them all their money back today. Yeah. This one's a freebie, guys. It's a freebie. You come through a turnstile. You turned your ticket in. Oh, God damn. Oh, sweet. That fucking heartburn. Heartburns and farts is me today. I had hamburger lunch at fucking... Uh, would have killed Dracula. Had enough fucking garlic on it, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I drank some beer there. Fuck. I think that's the beer that I fucking gave up. Uh, uh, fucking, uh, I can't even fucking think. God damn. Anyway. I, I might avoid uh, those burgers if I were you. It's the burgers. Yeah. Ah, fuck. It was a cow was running around out back here. I could, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah. And no once, one saw it. Once you run them over, you got to do something with them. That's right. Anyway. With that said, let's get ready to go into, I'll give you a rundown from number 10 of our greatest of all time heels, those antagonistic bastards that Jeremy and I used to cheer for, and I'm sure we got listeners that used to cheer for, the heels of professional wrestling. So here we go, on a regional basis, with number 10, we started off with Gino Hernandez. We went to the great kabuki, the green mist, red mist, fucking called a fucking horse kabuki. Uh, we went to superstar Billy Graham preaching his word all across the great land. Uh, that great body and great the tower of power, too sweet to be sour. Went to Rick Rue, one badass motherfucker, former sailor, uh, arm wrestling champion that fucking caught a guy cunt to his own face and just beat the fuck out of people that sold the fucking hell out of Randy Savage and back down from him because it led up to a great angle and, 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 and worked his way up to the top of the ladder as one of the greatest of all time heels. And, and, we finished with number six, the USSR, the, the, the Republic of uh, 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 fucking Russia, when there was a Cold War in effect between Russia and the United States of America. At any given time, so we was going to push a fucking button, even though we know it takes like two keys, a phone call, and a fucking jack-off from your wife. I don't know what it takes. But anyway, one way or the other, before that fucking thing's launched, someone better fucking do something because we're all hiding in bomb shelters. Um Ivan, the Russian Barry Koloff, and it's going to take us to number five. I'm going to let Jeremy bring his name up, and then I'll take over from there if you want, Jeremy. Oh, absolutely. So we are going to go with the great Boris Malenko. Yes. I want him somewhere. I was going to give him an honorable mention, and Jeremy says, I think he needs to be in the top ten. And if you don't know by now... Get the fuck out of the closet and quit jacking off. Here's the thing. The great Professor Boris Malenko took me in. That's who I trained under. That's why I said if you don't know by now, get the fuck out of the closet, get your dick back in your pants and come out and listen. The Professor, the Professor, 
the great Boris Malenko. Him and Eddie Graham helped build up championship professional wrestling from Florida. And I had, I had the honor and the privilege of training under this man. But what a great fucking heel back in the day. Because for every protagonist, which is the time back in the day of Florida championship wrestling was Eddie Graham, you have an antagonist. And that was a great Boris Malenko. Now, Boris Malenko was a talented, talented wrestler and a fucking shooter and a hooker. Uh, not the kind of hookers that I know, but the kind of hookers that I want to stay away from because he could hook you in a hold like his son, Dean Malenko, who could hook you in a thousand and one holds and knew a thousand and one. But his son, Jody, also knew probably a thousand and ah, hell, fuck, he was trying by gotch. He probably knew 10,000 fucking holds. Anyway, Boris Malenko was such a fucking heel and got over. And he had done it. I want to say originally back in 1963 to 65 out in Texas. But so we're going to take it back though to Florida. One of the great angles at the, uh, um, I hope I'm saying this right. The, uh, uh, Hel uh Helmsley, uh, uh, fucking, uh, National Guard Armory there in Tampa, Florida. Him and Eddie Graham shot a angle where, you know, Professor Boris Malenko come out and he was the heel and he, before his match, he made a big production of taking his false teeth out. And when he took his false teeth out, he set them down beside the ring. And they had been working on this, and there was like 2,000 people at the National Guard, or the, the uh, Helmsley, uh, Herser, uh, shit, uh, I'm not, uh, whatever. The, 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 they got a Jewish uh, community center there now, thanks to Jody. Uh, they bought it out, and it's uh, it's National Guard Army. They sold it out every fucking Tuesday in Tampa back in the day. That was their, one of their towns. Anyway, Malenko takes his teeth out, sets them down. Eddie Graham comes over and stomps his fucking false teeth. And, man, the place goes nuts because they hated fucking uh, Boris Malenko so bad. They loved Eddie Graham so fucking much. They crushed he crushed his teeth and Malenko come out the next week and done a, you know, he had brought a bust of himself. He had, uh, you know, uh, a big sculpture of his face and put himself over and all these different things and all these great stories that came out of that. And then of course, next week they drew 4,000 people. They doubled the house basically is what I'm getting at back in the day. Cause you, you worked off that hatred that you really had for each other. And also Malenko at the time, you know, uh, the, the, the mother country, Russia, to go back to that, he, he was billed from another country, you know, the small man, Malenko, and against the all American boy, Eddie Graham. Um, and they built business that way. And that's, that, that was working together. And I had the privilege of training under him. I got to know his son, Joe, uh, worked with him a couple of times, went overseas with him a couple of times. And then, of course, with, with Dean Malenko, that's who took over my training after about the four or five month period of my training and, and become really good friend with Dean. And I just was writing yesterday about how Dean was wrestler of the year, like 1997 or something like that, number one in a PWI. But we're talking about Boris, Professor Boris Malenko. Basically, championship wrestling from Florida was built. Florida championship wrestling was built on the back of Professor Boris Malenko 
with Eddie Graham on top as the booker and them two working together and working their way up the talent ladder and getting over on every day. They work seven nights a week, sometimes eight, but they've done a double shot on a Sunday. And also, I think they've done a double shot on, uh, I think they've done TV in Tampa on Tuesday mornings as well as somewhere else on Saturday. So you might work nine fucking days a week. It's a hard schedule. But here's the thing. They worked all over the great state of Florida. They had Gordon Soley. They had Eddie Graham. And they had the antagonistic professor, Boris Malenko. And he taught me one thing. And that's one thing I look for in a heel. And that's why these other guys all made the list. And that's why from four, three, two, one, we'll make the list. Because as a heel, and you don't see us nowadays, folks. And I'm not digging on anyone. But here's the thing. You want to see a good heel? Here's what a good heel would do. A good heel will always be relentless. A heel will keep coming, coming, coming. Over, over, over. And guess what else? A heel never wants to fight on even terms. He's got something up his sleeve. He's got a reason. He knows you're a better wrestler than him, even though he might be able to wrestle you in real life. He might be able to wrestle you. He might be able to beat your ass. But on the TV and at the shows, he understands He's, he's backing away. He's putting you over because for whatever reason, you can out wrestle him and he has to resort to dirty tactics, international or foreign objects or cheating, if you will, because that's what makes him a heel fucking prick. And to get over that away is all about human psychology. And Malenko was great at psychology. He was great at interviews, and he was great at wrestling. He could hook, shoot, and work, had a great body, and had a great interview. Terry Funk took some of his material several times, he told me, that he took his interview style from the great Professor Boris Malenko. And, of course, no list would be complete without me saying, since I knew him personally, I dedicated my book, Pin Me, Pay Me, to him, he had all these great Malenkoisms. He was big in conditioning and all that. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to let Jeremy take over. Number five, Larry Simon, Professor, the great Boris Malenko. I think of you every day of my life. And he was one of the greatest villains, one of the greatest heels in professional wrestling of all time. But also, he was... Like a father to me, he was a mentor, he was a teacher, he was a friend, he was a coach, and he was probably one of, if not the most influential person in my life. A heel fucking prick fucking wrestler from professional wrestling. What a heel, but what a father figure. What a kind and gentle man, and I have nothing but love and respect for him. But in the ring, he was going to cheat. He was going to do whatever it took to win because he understood psychology. He understood ring ability. He understood professionalism, and he understood this is how we're going to draw money. He understood 
professional wrestling. And I'm going to shut up, Jeremy, because if not, I'll talk the whole fucking hour about him. we got fucking four more to go. Yeah, no problem. It's I actually like having you expand on things like that. <clears throat> Again, I'm from California, so a lot of these guys from Florida and things like this, there wasn't a way for me to see them at the time. You know, there's a way for me to go back and check some out now, but like... um you know, Boris Malenko, I heard about him after I already knew who Dean Malenko was. Right. So it's cool to have you have this, you know, view on him. You, you, He trained you. Yes. You, you worked with him. That's, that's awesome, and it's not a viewpoint that everybody has. But that being said, and we are, we are over topic, if you don't have anything else to add about the great Boris Malenko, the professor, uh, we will move on to number four if that's okay. Please move on. All right, number four is Abdullah the Butcher. The only man who could make coming out of a giant uh, birthday gift box not look stupid. (laughs) The only man who I would ever, like, see holding a fork and think, I better run the fuck away while I still can. (laughs) Yeah, Abby was a scary fucking... Yeah, Abby was scary, man. I saw a picture of him, like, in 19... 78 or 79, one of the old magazines, him holding a raw chicken like he was eating it, and I believed it, you know, mm-hmm. because I don't know if he bit her or not, but who the fuck knows, but man, I've seen Abby, i met him, I have a funny story, I'll save that for another time because of the time restraints today on today's podcast, but Abby scared the fuck out of people, man, with that fork, I, I hear he still sells them at the fucking gimmick tables, uh, as many appearances he makes, but seeing him bite into, excuse me, bite into a raw chicken, that is before anyone was ever smart enough to salmonella or whatever. That scared the fuck out of me, him biting a fucking chicken. What is he, a fucking, uh, uh, geek down at the fucking, uh, uh, carnivore circus? Geek, you yeah. know, no, no, he was just a scary fucking person, had those big old cuts in his head and, and, uh, the 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 wild man from Sudan, whatever. I mean, fucking Abdullah the Butcher scared a lot of fucking people. And what a killer heel he was wherever he went, whether it be at the Omni, whether it be uh, uh, Japan or wherever. Um, yeah, number four, Abdullah the Butcher. And if you have nothing else to say, go ahead and say it. If you don't, don't. We'll move on to number three. Yeah, just uh, the only thing I'd ever really want to point out is um, – if you're not sure and you've been around Abdullah the Butcher, you might want to get a hepatitis test. Uh, outside yeah. of that. <laughs> I recently had my hepatitis A shot because I had to go back in October for the second part because apparently that's going around in my little fucking uh, crack, meth, and heroin addict in little fucking town that I live in. And that's neither here or there. But if you're around Abby, you better fucking get a hepatitis uh, A, B, C, D, E, and all the way through fucking Z shop, mm-hmm. my understanding as well. I do have a picture. I told text earlier. I'm going to try to find it. I got a great picture of me and Abby goofing off in a locker room at a Bobby Fulton show. And uh, Bo James, big shout out if you're listening. If not, if you know Bo James, tell him I gave that fucker a, a shout out today on my podcast with Jeremy. And that is this. He 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 wrote back at the time because I sat him at the gimmick table. He said, "Bobby Blade," because I was working at Smoky Mountain as a babyface, and then for Bobby Fulton as a heel. And I had a picture, a great picture of me and Abby together goofing in a locker room. 
and he said, um, Bobby plays the biggest biggest baby face in the territory with uh, Abdullah the Butcher, the biggest heel in the business at the time, <laughs> which that's like 94, 95. So it's really funny because Bo was pretty smart to it. And he like, you got this fucking baby face down here in Smoky Mountain taking a picture with Abdullah the Butcher. I'm going to find them. I'm going to send it out. We'll get some pictures up on um, Instagram or, That'd be cool. or Twitter yeah. or whatever. I just got to find them first. But anyway, so with that said, let's go number three. Number three is Kevin Sullivan. I okay. I, I I have to say something here about Kevin Sullivan. First off, the guy. How tall is Kevin Sullivan? I think he's five foot fuck all, but I'm gonna say yeah. five foot nine. Okay, so he <laughs> he comes across a little shorter on television. So I've got this thing. I've always said that unless it's about the devil, sex, or drugs, it ain't really rock and roll. Um, <laughs> One of the things I, I think is fucking amazing about Kevin Sullivan is now, years on, I see him in interviews going, well, I never, I never said I was a Satanist. No. Okay, but, but Kevin, you're down in the Bible Belt, and you know as well as I do that the Bible says if it's not of the Lord, it's of Satan. So when you start doing all this weird, like, I'm going to go fucking across the burning sands and pray to this uh, Tibetan god... In the Bible Belt, that says Satanism. <laughs> By but he never used the word devil or Satan. No, which which always kind of now, it's a bit of a letdown for a guy like me. You know, you should have <laughs> said it at least once, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here in my Slayer t-shirt. I love <laughs> Satanic references. That shit, that shit makes me smile, you know? One of my favorite atheist writers is a guy who dresses like The Undertaker very often. Just because it drives that point home, you know? <sighs> Kevin Sullivan was a fucking, or is a fucking genius of the wrestling business. One of the greatest minds of professional wrestling of all time. Kevin Sullivan. I'm going to put on here on our tweet later on. Number three on the bell to bell plays. Hashtag Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan was at my house for my birthday about five years ago. He came down and spent about three to four hours with me. Kevin Sullivan, I saw him back in May um, at the Bobby Fort retirement show. And I know I keep getting shout outs to that, but I'm just saying because I met some or knew or have hung out with some great people. Sullivan gave me a job in WCW when I finished up Smoky Mountain. I told you that story. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, Bobby, you want a job? Called Paul Warndorf on Monday. You got a job. Uh, Kevin took care of me when he came into Smoky Mountain. I have nothing but love and respect for Kevin Sullivan. You can look up in my second book, uh, you know, the education I kicked out on two, the education wrestler, my respect for Kevin Sullivan. I wrote something about him nice. I recently spoke to him, sent him a T-shirt, etc. Hope he does wear it to all in. But here's the thing. When he walks out of that fucking water and he's got Mark Lewin and he's, you know, they go to the gym together wearing their robes and uh, drink beer with the police on the side of the road in Florida. They were so over. Kevin Sullivan just had, and he, you know, you can go to the to to whatever you want to in WCW. Kevin Sullivan was just—he had that great mind for professional wrestling, and no one ever, ever before this. And you mentioned earlier, uh, till a few years ago, and I will post a picture of Kevin out here by my house. 
with myself and another friend of mine. I said, man, how tall is he? And I said, he's like, I don't know. I never thought about it, like five nine. But Kevin Sullivan to me was always fucking six foot fucking six, two hundred and ninety five pounds, and and you know it's one of those things where it's, it, you can be easily deceived by someone because the way they talk, the way they act, yeah. the way they beat people up, um, it just just um, so and then and go back to Malenko at number five when Malenko when the when a company of Florida Championship Wrestling was being carried on his back in the 70s up through the early 80s, Kevin Sullivan was coming on, and, and along with a baby face known as Dusty Rose that we'd done our special one, Kevin mm-hmm. Sullivan was the antagonistic fucking heel that everyone hated. And even though he didn't use the word Satan or devil, etc., like you just explained, everyone assumed that's what he was a Satanist, devil worshiper, atheist, or whatever, uh, man, he just ruled the fucking roof with, with himself and Mark Lewin. And woman, what a fucking beautiful lady she was. When I first saw her, she's probably eight. Nancy was like 18 years old, and I saw her in a magazine. And I'm like, oh, my God, because everyone knows me knows I love dark hair and brown eyes. And I saw her in a magazine. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Cause I'm st- I still, you know, obviously, I st- I'm still a fan, obviously, but but a mark for the business buying magazines or whatever. I'm like, holy shit, man, these people are real. It's real to me. That's the thing about professional or pro wrestling is it made us believe is real. And all during that time, during Florida, when he came into Georgia, when he got on a booking committee of WCW, when he worked in WCW, whatever you want to fucking say, Kevin Sullivan was such a fucking little heel prick. And he, and he always had a good body. Sometimes it's bigger, sometimes it's heavier. But, you know, a couple of times, you know, he, he worked in Smoky Mountain with me. I worked with him. I had a guy that was in, uh, made up the, uh, there's, there's three uh, MLB mace. Major League Baseball umpire from the Ashton, Kentucky area, two still active. One is, is now up in New York behind the scenes. And believe it or not, there's all work, a couple of them was working out at a gym down in Florida back in the 90s. And I ran into one of them at Elks Day, and it's one of these fucking things in Ashland that I'll never be in a fucking Elks committee thing because of my language and because of the way I live my life. And I'll never be the fucking greatest Tomcat of all time because it, whatever, I can go in that in another time. But someone said, you know, during their speech, they was talking, blah, blah, blah. I've been a couple of these things I get invited to. I'll only go if you're going to fucking buy me drinks and get me a fucking free ticket. Otherwise, thank you, fuck you, bye, uh, uh, to quote Jim Cornette. They know they'll never put me in there because I'll tell them how I fucking feel about Ashland Tomcath Athletics. My point is this, as I ran on about it, and that is a couple Major League Baseball umpires were in working out that were from my hometown. And they said, hey, man, during spring training, I was at the gym, and they said, hey, man, Kevin Sullivan mentioned your name. They said, he knows a guy from Ashland, Kentucky. You all ever know? And these are guys that are Major League Baseball umpires. And they said, you know, got any Bobby Blaze? <laughs> and Kevin Sullivan put me over in some fucking gym in Florida, and it's getting back to me in Kentucky. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so cool. So, and then, like I said, the guy's been in my house. But we're talking about heels and, and this and that. And so, on screen, what a fucking heel, how he got over, 
with his height and and the, the the wrestling ability. And I heard him on WFLA back in the day doing an interview like with a straight fucking shoot on a Lionel show. But here's the thing: uh, coming in at number three, Kevin Sullivan. He can be a great one of the greatest heels of all time professional wrestling. That, but to me. Obviously, I can't say anything fucking bad, nasty, hateful, or anything about the guy because he's been so goddamn good to me, so respectful to me, that Kevin Sullivan, to me, is one of my top favorite fucking professional wrestlers as a man, as a person, as a human being, and a wrestler of all time in my life. And that, that's all I can say, because otherwise I'll go over the fucking time limit, Jeremy. Get oh, to we're, number two and why we're, we're going to fucking Kobo Arena. We're well God, past the damn, time limit this I episode. I know we are. We are. Um, we are. We're fucked we're, up. We're, this we're is one fucked of those, up in a can of fish and worms. Yeah, this is one of those like black matches now, or dark <laughs> matches now. It's lights <laughs> are off. The the NWA body has gone home. This is a, you know we a non-sanctioned finishing of the episode is going on right now. If they've listened this long, keep listening. Yeah, don't give up now. It's no, it's hardly worth giving to, up at this you know point. What? You might have to divide this into two forty-five minute segments. Seriously, <laughs> you might have to, dude, because obviously you love heels and I love heels, man. God damn it. You might have to divide this into 50 and 50. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at it. You're the director. You do what you got to do, man. I'm just telling you, this has been too goddamn good, man. You better be recording this and put it out there however you want to. I got to tell you. We'll love it. I think the next two are going to bring the fucking house down, though. So number two, we have the Sheik right here from the house that the Sheik built. The Kobo in Detroit. What can you tell us about the Sheik there, Bobby? Man, the Sheik was probably the first professional wrestler's name I ever learned. Coco, or excuse me, Bobo Bazil was probably the second, because that's who he was feuding with at the time. I've given a story back in, in like 1968 or 69, watching of my aunt in Baltimore when it was WWWF. I told a story about the first time I ever got to see him in live and, and, and with my real father. And then years later, got to see him in, in a hundred civic center. The Sheik, man, to me, the Sheik was the real fucking deal. I can remember staying up years and years later with Chris Candido, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a hotel up in, uh, Detroit, Michigan. We did a big show for Sabu, put it together. And, and he was just talking about with me, him and Taz and Sabu went to dinner after the show. And then Candido and I went to our room and we stayed up forever talking about how over the fucking Sheik was in Japan, walking down the street with the fucking knife in his mouth, the big sword or whatever, and doing his walk. And the Sheik, man, he was one of, he was probably to me the scariest motherfucker ever in professional wrestling. The, the, the Sheik was, you know, he, he had that pencil, he bled, he, 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 he had his own territory. He was a champion, North America champion, world champion, whatever. The Sheik was a Sheik. The only thing, and I'm gonna let you take over because I, 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 I just want to tell you this one funny story, and I, and I'll get off here about the Sheik. The Sheik to me was great because he was the first name I ever learned or knew about in professional wrestling, and and I just knew he was one bad, scary motherfucker before I even used the word motherfucker, which I started using back in 1973. Just so you all know, Quentin Tarantino, fuck you. 
And fuck you, Samuel Jackson. As much as I love and respect your movies and talents and stuff, I, I started cussing when I was 10 years old and I ain't stopped since. And I don't plan on any time in the near future unless I fucking die. And if I do, guess what? I'll be a motherfucker to my death. I don't give a fuck. Keep your mother out of my fucking backyard. You owe me fucking her. I don't give a fuck. So here's the thing. The Sheik was the man. The living legend. He was the guy that fucking penciled you, fucking stabbed you, ripped your fucking eyeballs out, beat you at the fucking bell, scared the living shit out of me, my brother, my dad, and whoever the fuck else was watching. Stay away from that man. But one time, back on cable TV, and this had to be 1978 through 80, and so I'm just going to throw about three years out there. Sheik's TV ran in our area out of a station out of West Virginia because there used to be tapings out of Oak Hill, West Virginia, which we'll go into. I went into a fucking thing. That's another reason why I hate fucking Facebook because someone asked me to explain this, explain now is on another podcast. I'm trying to tell them this and tell them Anyway, the Sheik was on TV and a friend of mine was running the cameras. Another friend of mine said, hey, I want to, I want, you, need, you need a ride? He took me and my brother up to, my brother and I, excuse me. Uh, so he took my brother and I up to the tapings in Huntington, West Virginia, at the Civic Center, which they blocked off half, but they, had, they used to have the biggest stars. It's where I met, uh, for the first time I ever saw and shook hands with Andre the Giant, uh, Dick the Bruiser, whoever he brought in. The Sheik had that territory, and they came here because they had TV. And the Sheik was the man. We didn't know it at the time. But we had access with these little passes that gave us access to this building. And the guy that gave us the access to uh, uh, collars or what do you call them, uh, learners or I can never can't say that word. Uh, them things you wear on your neck with a fucking thing before they had it even named. I don't even know. Leonard's, Leonard's, whatever. Oh, lan- lanyards. I wasn't Lanyard, sure what you were. Whatever. Yeah. 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 We had now one I know those. What you're, okay. All access. I didn't know what the fuck it was at 15. I don't know. But anyway, I, I can hardly say it a couple of years ago, my, my boys would bring home shipping school. Here, here's this, here's this, here, put your keys on this. I don't know what the fuck it is. It looks like something catch my fucking gear shifter and change, choke me the fuck out while I'm driving. I don't want that fucking big thing, my keys on it. Give me a goddamn key ring and fuck off. You know, whatever. But anyway, we had all access. We went in the back. Funny chic story. They had in the uh, Huntington Civic Center, uh, where I wrestled Piper at, uh, back in the day. But before that, we would go back there. We watch all the matches. And the guy's guy's name was Dave. He says, uh, "Hey, you guys got those passes? Come on back in the back." So me and my brother and a guy drove us up. Went in the back. They had a basketball goal on the back of a uh, uh, forklift, and you could raise it up to seven, eight, nine, ten foot. You know, ten foot regulation or whatever. And we went in the back of the Huntington Civic Center, and my brother and I, and the guy that drove us up there, his name was Dale, and he's Mashlin, and guess what? I don't expect anyone from Mashlin, fucking Kentucky, listening to this podcast, and if you are, guess what? Suck my dick. I don't give a fuck, because you don't give a fuck about me, and I don't give a fuck about you. That's where, that's where I was born for six months, lived here for fucking, moved away for six years and come back, so fuck you, Ashland, Kentucky, even though you list my name as one of the most prominent fucking people from Ashland. There's my rant on that. Fuck you. Do something about my goddamn neighborhood, would you? Anyway, that's that. 
Just spoke to the mayor the other day. No shit. Straight shoot. Shook hands with the fucking mayor. And I'm going, here I am in Ashland. He said, hey, call me if you need anything. Or, and I'm thinking, you know what I need? I need you to fucking clean off my fucking street from these fucking meth houses, cocksucker. But you know who's profession, who, 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 whose problem that is? That's mine. That's not the mayor's. It's mine. I need to move or get the fuck out of here or kill all these cocksuckers next door. I don't give a fuck. So back to the story. My brother and this guy named Dale who I just now fucking caught out for not listening to the podcast probably. <laughs> Dale, if you're listening, fuck you. I don't give a fuck. Thanks for taking me to all those shows. Anyway, in the back, they had a basketball court or a uh, basketball goal with a backboard hooked to a forklift that you could raise from six, seven, eight foot, whatever. And my brother and Dale and myself and a guy that invited us up named Dave were shooting baskets. And after the show, and a sheep walked through, and we were scared fucking shitless. Scared fucking shitless. He just beat someone like Bobo Brazil or Andre or Dick the Bruiser, Double DQ or whatever. He stabbed him with fucking pencil. We saw it. We're just back there hanging out waiting for to get the fuck out of the building. So my story is this, and, that, and I'm sticking to it. Ed Farhat who we understood, we knew his name was Ed. Could not pronounce his last name. I probably still fuck it up. He walked through, scared the living shit out of us. All we stood there holding a basketball and who had the ball. We all stood there, stopped in our fucking tracks, scared shitless. The man who could speak six languages, the man who could fucking have that sword in his mouth, the man who beat every motherfucker on the planet, the first heel that ever I was scared the living shit out of, he looked at all of us and walked by, smiled, and kept on going right back to the shower area. And we just looked there like each other, like, man. And I knew it then, and I know it now. That was a fucking moment in my life. A fucking heel wrestler looked at us, kind of smiled because we had one of the cameramen, like I said, from the local TV that gave us the access. And that's one of my greatest. I put it up here with my Terry Funk story of meeting him down in Knoxville and talking for an hour with him. The sheep stopped, looked at us shooting basketball after the show out behind the, the Huntington Civic Center. And he looked at us like, all right, guys, you know. He kind of got us like, you guys must love basketball and wrestling or whatever. But he also looked at us like, I'll chew your fucking heads off. You'll never fucking ever reproduce in this world. You'll never live another day if you say anything about this. You know, and we just fucking looked at him respectfully, shot our fucking mouth, which I'm going to do in two seconds. And he walked by, gave us a smile, and went on to proceed to the shower area. And a sheik was one of, and I'm going to let you finish with our number one, because to me, sheik would be number one, but I'm not going to go off script. The sheik was one of the greatest fucking heel performers, wrestlers, professional wrestlers of all fucking time. Um, I, the only way your basketball uh, story could have been better is if he then razor bladed all three of your foreheads. <laughs> Well, the only thing better is this. Another time we had it lowered to about six week, uh, six feet, and we were all dunking on it. And Chief J. Strongbow, another time, walked through, jumped up, dunked it, and a ball came through, straight shoot, came through the net, 
because it's Jay Strongbow is at his height. Okay. We had it lowered to just enough. You know, I'm like 15, 16 years old, 15 years old. So here's your blade job. Jay Strongbow came by another time while we were shooting. We went to probably 10 or 12 of these shows. Honest to God. I'm not working you folks. Jay Strongbow walked by one time, sees a shooting, doesn't break character with some fucking Italian accent or whatever. He just kind of like, huh, huh, you know, not how or what, you know, we expect a how or hi-ho silver or whatever. He took the ball after seeing us dunk. He walked over, jumped up, dunked the ball. Honest to God, if I'm lying, I'll stand out in the fucking street naked with a fucking lightning rod sticking out of the head of my cock. I'll tell you right now, this is what happened. Day, Dre Strongbow jumped up. The goal is six foot, same as his fucking height. Dunked it like he's the fucking man. The ball come through, hit that motherfucker nose, splattered his fucking nose across his fucking face, and blood went everywhere. He gigged for us and was so fucking embarrassed and stumbled away that me, the guy that ran TV, Dave, that ran the cameras, Dale, who I mentioned, and my brother, we fucking laughed in his fucking face because Jay Strongbow dunked a fucking basketball in a fucking six-foot fucking goal, hit it through the fucking hoop so hard it fucking hit his own face, and he busted pretty much his own nose open, and we fucking stood there laughing like, are you a fucking idiot? You don't know fucking basketball, do you? We didn't say a word. Well, we're still scared. Don't get me wrong, because he's a professional wrestler, but we're looking at him like, God damn, are you that fucking stupid? We walked away laughing, laughing when he fucking stumbled away bleeding, doing a real fucking gig job. At least the sheik had enough sense to fucking, we had it on by about nine foot at that time. He walked away looking like, huh, these guys must be okay. They're back here in the back, whatever. We'll take my shower, fuck off. Jay Strongbow didn't have enough goddamn sense to understand his goal set at six foot. If I reach up and push that ball through the really hard, I'm going to make a dunk. I'm in the NCAA or in, in, in NBA. I'm a fucking living fucking uh, a Native American fucking legend. But he wasn't. You know, we know that he's a fucking Italian. And apparently he's a fucking Italian that couldn't play basketball and didn't have enough fucking sense to knock, knock his own goddamn head off because he busted his nose and we fucking literally laughed in his fucking face. So there's your juice job, because the sheik would have done that. He'd have come over, wouldn't have spoken a word of English, would have cut all of our fucking heads, would have cut all of our fucking throats, and fucking went about his business like nothing happened. But Jay Strongbow stumbled the fuck away like a drunken fucking Indian with a splattered fucking nose with uh, at least one of us being a, uh, a 20-year-old or 21-year-old maybe, and three teenagers laughing their ass off at him. So four guys laughing, going, "Are you a fucking goof or what?" So fuck you, Jay Strongbow. That's a little rough, yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. That's a straight shoot. And I had no intention of even telling that story, but that's the truth. But I'm the fucking Mark that used to go in a fucking back any way I could, catching ride with older guys, me and my brother, and getting fucking passes from guys that ran cameras. That shows you what a fucking fan I am. A professional wrestling and Jay Strongbow, whatever. I heard stuff from here and there and this and that and whatever. 
when we in the future. But here's the thing: I think that pretty much sums him up. He fucking dunked a basketball in a six foot goal, which is not that high. Splattered his own fucking nose. Sells for it because there's no way you're not selling for it. Fucking walks away bleeding like a drunken fucking Indian. Nothing against Native Americans, but he wasn't a fucking Native American. He's Italian. Because I have nothing but love and respect for Native Americans. Uh, but at least a 20, 21-year-old man laughing with three teenage guys laughing going, what a fucking goof. Versus the Sheik, who came in at number two of all-time heels going, hmm, okay. These guys are all right, I guess. They're over there in the building. Whatever. So anyway, God damn it. You get me going on these things? I don't know, Jeremy. I'm, the thing is, it's pro wrestling truth. Yeah. I just, I love this business. I've been around it. And it, uh, I, I have no reason to make up a fucking lie. I can't make that shit up. That's the kind of shit that happened in real life in my life. Jay Strongbow splattering his own fucking nose. What a fucking goof. Yeah. Well, you know what? He ain't going to book me. He's dead. And he ain't going to book me for WWE or F or whatever. So I don't give a fuck. And if you're a Jay Strongbow fan, you know what? Fuck you. Let Ernie Ladd fucking rip your fucking feathers out. Beat the fuck out of you. And get the fuck out of the building. And then go in the back and let fucking a couple of uh, teenagers laugh at your fucking ass, you cocksucker. Fuck you. I yeah, I just... A- I kind of I kind of feel like people who fake uh, Native American ancestry uh, deserve a bloody nose, and uh, you know probably should be tarred and feathered or at least uh, you know gently beaten in front of the public. Um, the Native Americans have gotten a raw deal in this country, and I think people trying to ride their coattails is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Uh, but that's just me talking. No, no, man, we. Talk offline, Native American. Mm-hmm. There's Native American in my bloodline. I've got a lot of Irish on my father's side. I've got a lot of Native American. And it was just talking to my true one real brother. And my youngest son, who will be 21 next month, and my youngest niece, who will be 20 in about a month, they are the darkest and darkest hair darkest eyes of our family it jumps it jumps it jumps we've done the research etc etc heard all the bullshit but i got a grandmother on my dad's side and a great uncle on my dad's side and man they looked like native americans are supposed to look mm-hmm. and i got the irish part my brother did um but uh, my youngest son and his youngest daughter dude they got that Native American, Cherokee Indian. I knew two Native Americans that I've become very close to, uh, Willie Wilkinson Jr. from over in North Carolina, and also who's passed away now, uh, Chief, uh, Chief J. Medicine Hat, who was a comedian, stand-up hypnotist out of South Dakota. He went to prison at age 13, got shot in the arm at the uh, when a federal government tried to take over in 1973 out at one of the uh, uh, reservations. I become close to that guy. Sadly, he passed away. I put a story about him in my first book. Man, he was a true Native American. And I tell you this, man, I love to meet me a Native American lady or girl, hang out with her, talk to her. Uh, I have nothing but respect for Native American people. They have been shit on, fucked over, and uh, 
Don't even get me started because we're, then we're no other, another whole topic. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I, you if know, I, cause anytime I get to speak to someone that's telling me the truth about being Native American, I listen because I know I can learn. And I think those, those people are a beautiful people, man. They really are. And they got fucked over and they're still getting fucked over. We'll give you some liquor. We'll give you some fucking casinos. We'll give you some land. We'll call it a reservation, whatever. And it's it's all fucking, it's not part of the American dream. It's part of the American, we'll fuck over you, thank you, fuck you, buy plan. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, let's let's get this wrapped up because we're going yeah, to hour number three God of recording. Damn it, I know, man. Yeah, that's all right. Editing this episode is going to be a trip. That's that's what I know. <laughs> so I want to send Jeremy some fucking good attitude pay for editing this show, would you? Go to Jeremy. Uh, go to the fucking GoFundMe and send Jeremy fifteen twenty dollars and say, Jeremy, thanks for editing this because we listen to Bobby's bullshit. But we love the episode of the top 10 greatest of all time regional heels. Let's get the number one. Go to it, Jeremy. Pin me, pay me, and, and, and finish this up because I know you know about number one, and I agreed with you on number one. All right. Well, for my money, the greatest heel in pro wrestling is Tolly Blanchard. Um. Yeah, here's the thing. So, I mean, right now we're going to get kind of a, well, where's Ric Flair? Okay, Ric Flair got fucking cheered for when he was a heel. Even when he was at his heeliest, people cheered him. I don't remember ever hearing anybody cheer for Tolly fucking Blanchard. Except those of us who secretly love to cheer on the heels. Bobby, what do you, what do you think about Tolly? Man, I think Tolly Blanchard was one of the fucking most over heels ever. I think he was a sawed-off little fucking runt of a fucking heel. I think people thought they could beat Tully Blanchard's ass, but they knew better to fuck with him, me being one of them. I was at a fucking Red Lobster, no shit, straight shoot, after a fucking NWA show. This girl eventually fucked the Rock and Roll Express on one of my shows. She's dead now. Her name was Judy. She's a ring rat. But I was with this girl that was fucking super hot at the time. No, it wasn't my ex-wife. But I was with this girl at the fucking Red Lobster after a show up in West Virginia. Tully walks up. This chick named Judy, who I'd give her about a fucking... You ever heard of Butterface? I'd give her body a fucking tin, but her face was a fucking put a bag over or fucking put a flag over and do it for your country. Tully was there. No, he banged her. He walked in like an arrogant little fucking prick being an NWA tag team champion or whatever. And I knew better. I was bigger, stronger, better, probably. But I wasn't because I wasn't even in the business at the time going, what a fucking prick. I didn't know the term heel. I thought, what a fucking prick. Look at him. The girl I was with looked at him like, uh, my panties are getting wet. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> and this chick, Judy, who ended up fucking the Rock and Roll Express, who I met it later, is a whole other story. But here's the thing. Tully, whether it be Southwest, whether it be uh, uh, even the Brain Busters and WWF eventually or whatever, whether it be the Horsemen, the main thing was before Tween and all that to me. Tully was a fucking little sawed-off runt, hell of a fucking athlete, 
but a arrogant, cocky, fucking heel prick. And he never broke character. We made eye contact at that fucking red lobster. And I just fucking looked down like, you know what? I got this good looking girl over here. It's my girl. But she was, but she'd have dropped her panties for him. I guarantee it. She's a little slut. <laughs> I don't give a fuck to admit it now. It's 30 years later. Oh, but he was this girl that's going to drop her panties for sure. And he looked at me like, hey, I'm totally fucking Blanchard. You probably, he didn't know it, but he probably looked at me like, you just bought a ticket to see me fucking wrestle, perform, whatever. And I was getting this pussy. I'd take that pussy. I'll fuck you up. And I'll take any fucking pussy out of here I want to. And I just looked at him like, yeah, you know what? Because he probably wasn't even thinking. He's probably thinking, you know what? I'm in this shithole town for the next two or three days. I've got some pussy lined up. i got a rat, a sponsor, whatever. He looked at me like, uh, hey, buddy, you're big and strong. You're probably at the wrestling show, and you're just a wannabe. But I am a man. I am one of the four horsemen. I am Tully fucking Blanchard. And I, you know what? Always a fucking heel. And like you said, people may have cheered cheered flair they may have loved the arn anderson interviews they may or may not like uh, jj they they you talk about whoever you want to of that fucking whole thing before during and after tully blanchard was nothing but a little fucking sawed off in shape good overachiever fucking heel yeah well let's just look real quick i mean because we come back to a hero is only as good as their villain quite a bit. We, mm-hmm. I think it's come, we've brought this up three or four episodes. Yep. Some of Tully's biggest one-on-one feuds, Dusty and Magnum. There were no bigger stars at the time. Yeah, thank you. That that. Yeah, that just shows you the, the fucking weight class that Tully played in. I think he gets overlooked now. Um, Bobby, I told you a few weeks ago, I, I took my brother and we went to a comic convention here in town, right? Right. And and we were I don't even remember what we we're talking about. My brother and I don't speak all that often. We don't not speak, but we don't speak all that often. And uh something was getting said and then my brother goes, Well, he was totally was the best of the horsemen anyways. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think we've ever talked about it, but that's exactly how I feel. But a lot of people overlook Tully. You know, everybody pays attention to Arn. Look, Arn's great, but Arn could have been the same character as a face or a heel. Mm-hmm. Tully Blanchard works as a heel. He's a cocky, arrogant shit, like you're talking about. Like, he'll walk into the room and look at you and go, like, I'm going to have you hold my jacket while I fuck your old lady. Exactly. Yeah. And they're they like, didn't and, have fucking jacket takers at that fucking Red Lobster, but you know what? If he'd have walked up a jacket and I had the garage with him, believe me, she was hot. The garage with, I'd have got taken this fucking jacket, hung up, said, there she is. <laughs> that's the way he was he got over he was a heel fucking prick he's gonna fuck her one way or the other yeah. he, I've got this girl on my arm with me he'd tell her to go sit the fuck down I'm gonna get this other fucking bitch while, this, while her guy goes hangs up my jacket and I would've I'd have said you know what yes sir Mr. Blanchard let me hang whatever. that up for you yeah whatever you, whatever you fuck, need Mr. Blanchard her name was Lisa He'd have fucked the brains out of Lisa because she didn't have very many to begin with. He'd have fucked her. Come back, order this fucking lobster shrimp and all you can eat fucking dinner, and then fuck the chick lose uh, uh, Judy, who, like I said, I met several years later because of Rock and Roll Express. I stood there and watched them 
Uh, no, I didn't. No, I never. I just said uh, I was at this hotel, and the next day I heard about them fucking Judy. She's now deceased, so it don't matter. But anyway, they fucked that Judy chick six ways a Sunday, and Tully, that's who he was with that day, at the Red Lobster. But he could have fucked Lisa, Judy, and I'd have hung his jacket up or held it for him, going, "Yes, sir." Right there's mm-hmm. Tully fucking my girl, and you know what? I don't give a fuck. Yep. And, Do I have and to I was, pay? <laughs> well, and I was going to say, and I, I want to point out that there there are two title belts that I love from this era in wrestling, and, and Tully carried, well, actually there's three that I really love, and Tully carried all three of them. The National Heavyweight title and the World uh, Television Championship. I love both of those belts because they were kind of like that boilerplate, like, Here's the belt we make for everything. We just change a couple of the words around, and fucking whoever gets it, gets it. But he also carried the U.S. title back when it really looked like a fucking prize. Yeah. Yeah. Tully Blanchard, for my money, top heel from that era of pro wrestling, and I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. Well, man, I I don't want to fight, man, because when we went through our list, I said to myself, I bet Jeremy is going to pick Tully because he was such a heel throughout his entire career as number one. And I thought through that whole list, and we threw out a whole bunch of other names that didn't make the list. And I thought, you know, Tully has to be number one off of this. And so we went back to, let's just do it real quickly, because mm-hmm. I've got something for you. I'm okay. not arguing with you. I'm not complaining. I have no qualms whatsoever. I know we went way over our time limit. I hope you break this up to two segments. If you can figure out a way to do that, that would be great. And it'd probably be a great time in our podcast to do that on a bell to bell with Bobby Blaze. You can find us, you can find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. You can find me at Bobby Blaze 744 on Twitter. Find us, find us on Facebook, find us on YouTube channel, 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 and whatever. Easy for you to say. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, because I'm thinking about fucking Tully right now, fucking my old girl at the time, who was hot. But anyway, let's do this. I'm going to tell you. Divide this up if you have to, and I think it'd be smart, too. But number 10, Gino Hernandez. Number 9, The Great Kabuki. Number 8, Superstar Billy Graham. Number 7, Rick Rude, number six, Ivan the Russian Bear Koloff. Number five, the great Professor Boris Malenko. Number four, Abdullah Abby the Butcher. Number three, Kevin Sullivan. Number one, the Sheik. Or excuse me, number two, the Sheik. Number one, Tully Blanchard. But unfortunately, unfortunately, hold your breath. Don't hold it too long. I'm going to go one better than Tully Blanchard because I agree with you 1,000%. Even though people say you can't go past 100%, give 125, give 150, whatever. Fuck you. I'm going to go 1,000%. I'm throwing out the free bird rule. Uh-oh. Yes, the free bird rule. Number one. Greatest of all time heel. Get ready for it. Are you ready? I'm ready. What do you got? Gorgeous George. Because oh. without him, without Gorgeous George, 
You may not even have fucking a heel in professional wrestling. You may not even have fucking TV wrestling. Gorgeous George, the outrageous bad boy wrestler who created American pop culture, who influenced Muhammad Ali and James Brown. If you are a John Waters fan, which I am, Divine, the outrageous drag queen, she was a homage. She paid homage to the gorgeous one, George. He went from a clear-cut, clean baby face to the Proxide Von Braggett. He was the toast of the coast, the sensation of the nation. And we don't have heels in professional wrestling. We may, they said he might have fucking sold more TVs than Milton Burrow. I don't know. I'm just saying, without that fucking bobby pin, and without his fucking girl out there spraying the fucking perfume, and without the power that eventually, be, the TV, who they did not even understand at the time, the power that it had, the coast, the toast of the coast, the sensation of the nation, the proxide blonde bracket, gorgeous, George. Okay, we were severely remiss in not having him, but the only position for Gorgeous George is at the very front of the class. There are some things here to look at that I think you, uh, you've you nailed quite nicely. Probably sold more TVs than TV stars did. Gorgeous George actually called them Georgie pins, not Bobby pins. Right, and, yes, and they were. Correct. Yeah, they were they were made of gold, and he would throw them to the crowd. Also, I'm going to say something here, and uh, let me know if you've ever heard another wrestler or manager say this. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> that was coined by Gorgeous George. I did not know that, but yes, yeah. I know who I know exactly who said that. But anyway, mm-hmm. also he came to the ring. To pomp and circumstance playing. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yep. He um, Originally, he was called the Human Orchid. Yeah, I knew um, that. He, he was one of the f- first cowardly villains. Where, like you were talking about Rick Rude, where I'm going to get that and then as soon as the guy shows up oh no sir i would never right right he, yeah, that was yeah. A great angle yeah his, right. and most often his ring entrances ran longer than his matches yep he took forever didn't he to take his uh robe yep. off or whatever yeah and his deal that and the bop the the, the georgie pins and the, the the spray and the perfume yeah didn't yeah. He take forever to take all that off didn't that oh, actually yeah. last longer than his matches that was one of the things, yeah, and he okay. his valets, his valets would come out, and they'd spray the ring, and then they'd, you know, would they uh, the referee would come over to check him for weapons, and get your filthy hands off of me, mm. and they'd have to spray the referee's hands before uh, Gorgeous George would let, it, let the referee touch him. God, Bobby, that might be the first real heel in all of pro wrestling right there. And I don't. I could be wrong. I have been before. I will be in the future. I have been often wrong. But let me say this: 
or let me ask you, let me propose this to you. Mm-hmm. Not only was or is he the greatest heel of all professional wrestling, may he have been the first ever heel on an international level of television and pop culture. Could he have not have been? Was there another heel at that time on a TV show because of in, in the infinite days of television? Was there another heel at that time? You know that that did that. I don't even know. I'm just just putting that out there, like because I'm like intrigued myself. That that isn't that would be an interesting question to to look at because yeah. this was the early days of network television wrestling. Yes, and wrestling. Well, here's the simple thing. You'll hear Jim Cornette talk about this, but back during this time, a big star in wrestling would be as well known as Lucille Ball was. Yeah. What a fucking compliment that is. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And wow. back then, I know Jim Cornette's talked about this. Pro wrestlers who were big at this point made way more money than yeah. pro basketball players, pro football players, pro, what well, was there even pro football yet? Yeah. But, well, you know, they made more money than pro baseball players. Yeah. So there's a good, that. there is a good chance that this gorgeous George would have been the first major villainous star of anything. See, I even tried to look up how much money he possibly made. I couldn't find it, so I'm sure someone can. But that is a thing I was like, you know, he probably made, and I'm not putting him on Lucille Ball's level as far as money, uh, those type things as those TVs started, you know, Milton Burrow and those types, uh, TV shows started to, to involve. But when professional wrestling was on, I guess was what DuPont. I yeah. The involved. DuPont network. Yep. Thank yeah. you. So this, I'm sorry, man, du, Dumont, not Dumont. Dupont. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My bad. Um, anyway, nonetheless, he, he was making huge money was a huge star on a huge, soon-to-be-known huge, um, what's the word I'm looking for, outlet, social media outlet in the field of television, which was just heading, he hit at a time for pro wrestling and television that was the right time to make money, to get over, and learn to get over. And he took it from some clean-shaven, dark-haired to, you know what, this is a great... He saw the opportunity of a Lucille Ball that, you know, hey, we have this idea for a show. Same thing with the wrestling. He had this idea for a character. I'm a peroxide, bleach my hair blonde. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And, I'm, and he learned to get over on something that was relatively new. It's kind of like learning to get over nowadays on on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or social media, if you will, you, you or a podcast even, I guess. He broke ground on, look at this. Here's a fucking way to get over. And he understood it. He got it. He made money off of it. Man, without Gorgeous George... We may not have any other heels in professional wrestling. And more importantly, we may not have ever had professional wrestling on television if it wasn't for Gorgeous George. And that's why I saved that 
Freebird rule to break out on you today. Well, that was a hell of a time to use it and the right person to use it for. Thank you. Yeah, that was uh, great. Bobby, I've got dogs that are starting to prowl the house telling me it's time for them to pee, so I'm going to have to wrap this up. We will figure it out. I I may cut this into two episodes. This might be our next two. I think you should. I sincerely think you should. We're at two hours and ten minutes. Break them down, and please take care of those dogs. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. Jeremy, I appreciate you. I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate the podcast. Fans, we appreciate you. I know Jeremy as the producer, director, and editor of this will break it down the right way. And we hope you enjoyed it because there's your top 10 regional heels of all time with the free bird, free bird rule in effect. And I don't know how you can do it without doing it in, ten, in two different um, uh, episodes. But, man, keep listening. Tell a friend. Here's the thing. You know what? Telegraph, telephone, tell a wrestler, tell a fan. Listen to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. Find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. Find me at BobbyBlaze744 on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Go to Amazon. Use the tiny URLs. Uh, give Jeremy credit. Let Jeremy get some feedback, money, comeback, whatever you want to call that, off of that, and um, from his Amazon affiliate page. And buy a book. Donate to our GoFundMe. Help our hosting fees. And just thanks for listening to us. That's two hours of total fucking wrestling, fucking shoots, truce, and no bullshit involved. Real life stuff that Jeremy and I talk about on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Thank you, Jeremy. Finish it yes. up. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Hopefully, whatever format with this does get released and worked out well for everybody. Please do go check out tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 to get pin me pay me and tinyurl.com slash blaze book two to check out i kicked out on two the education of a wrestler bobby's got a lot of great stories in there a lot of good stuff really worth your time to check out for bobby blaze and for myself gorgeous jeremy vilmer bye bye everybody all right god damn i had no idea we'd go two hours me either. <laughs> but the thing was, or the thing is, that was good shit. Yeah. Uh-oh. Break that down, tease it, however you got to do it, man, because I can't tell you what to do. You're a grown man. Dude, we got some good shit there today. Yep. Um, hold on here. I got a problem, maybe. Where's the recording software? <laughs> Bobby, I got to check this out. The recording software might have crashed. So I got to go and see what we got here. Dude, take Uh, care of your dogs. Yep. Listen, take care of your dogs. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. If we need to shoot anything new, let me know. I'll hit you up. You hit me up whenever we need to. Whatever you can get on, get on. We'll go from there, okay? Okay, sounds Listen. good. We might we might need to record a new intro and outro if we split this into a two-parter. But we and can that's do that fine. in a couple minutes, yeah. We're not 
we're not going to sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. It's good. We'll do intros, outros. We'll do intros, outros, jack me off rows, whatever. We can cover it. Here's the thing. You got a life. I understand that. Please don't worry about this podcast. We'll make it work. Okay? Don't sweat it. We'll get something up by fucking whenever on Friday and we'll make it work. Yeah, this should be good. All right, Bobby, I'm going to get these dogs out. Yep. I'll follow up with you shortly or by tomorrow. I'll let you know how everything yep. came out and what I'm doing. Thanks for your time, man. Sorry, but not sorry because it's too yeah. fucking good. Good stuff happening there. Yep. As long as this recording went okay, we're fine. Yeah. So, yeah, right on, dude. All well, right, I brother. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. Bye. Bye.